First of all, I am a lover of Jesus Christ, a lover of my Father in heaven, and my best friend is the Holy Spirit. But I have a family as well. And I want to introduce them to you because I just want you to know you don't know anything about me. That amazing man in the middle with the cheeky grin on his face is my wonderful husband. I have known him since I was 16 years old. We've been best friends. We got married. We're still best friends, which is always a good thing. He is a visionary, an amazing preacher. He's a nonstop. He talks in his sleep, but he makes sense. Pastor Alex... He runs board meetings. He is talking to people. No, you don't understand. Just wait, I haven't finished. And he goes on and on and on in his sleep. He never stops. I wear earplugs because I have to just let him run his meetings. I'm like, I'm not in this meeting. I am not coming to your meeting at three o'clock in the morning. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. My best friend, my soulmate. My best friend's the Holy Spirit and then him. Um, anyway... Then I have three of my boys here. These are my biological children. The giant at the back on the right-hand side is my oldest son, Mark. He is 30 next week. He is a warrior. That's what his name means. Mark Samuel, a warrior, and God hears. And that's exactly what his life is. He is a, an incredible leader, a genius. He's over all of our music. He writes music and helps the group collaborate writing music. And we're releasing some amazing music very shortly, just released some. Uh, anyway, on the far left is my little baby grandson. So Mark, sorry, is married to Lauren, the model, who is making my beauty look less spectacular. Um, <laughs> But she, I love her. I mean, daughters should be the better version of you, and she is just the better version of me in many, many ways. Powerful speaker, preacher, and creative girl. She's a model. She's a teacher. And their baby is being held by my second eldest son, and his name is Judah Brave. And he is two years old. This is an older photo, uh, and I need to get it updated. So that's their family. And then there is Nathan, who is on the far left, who's blonde, who is the image of his father. That's what his father looked like when I married him. And Nathan is praying he does not lose his hair. But I told him that his father is the most handsome man in the entire world. And so he would do good to follow in his father's footsteps. Anyway, he's married to the blonde angel. Chloe is... A farm girl, she's a professional sportswoman in Australia. She now, she, they live with, all these people live with me. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Chloe sings and songwrites. She has a voice of an angel. She is amazing. She is the fun party girl of the family. And Nathan is just an amazing teacher, gifted uh, communicator and discipler. He is a builder. He is awesome. This young man in the front was God's gift to me when I was 40 years old. He is now 15. Do the math. I know I look so young. Uh, he is Benjamin. Benjamin is a musician. He's sensitive. He has a heart after God. Um, and he, God has spoken to me about him being a worshiper. And so that is my incredible, amazing family. I have 
four sons, not three. The other son was taking this photo. There is a photo with him in it. I don't know why they did not send that one. His name is Isaiah. He is one year younger than Nathan. He's lived with me for years. He's a child I collected somewhere. I collect children. I have children all over the world now and the globe who call me mom. And he, but he actually lives with me and, and raids my refrigerator and does all the things that children do. So um, that's my family. But I want to talk to you about the oldest one, the giant. He's six foot four. He is um, an incredible kid. He was the hardest one of my children to raise. He was, he's like a type A personality, not like, he is a type A personality. He, when he was nine and a half months old, started walking and he stomped his foot and would say no to me at nine and a half months old. His first word was no. <laughs> um, his second word was, does anyone guess? Why? 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 All the time. Why? We're going to... Why? 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 He drove me mad. And I grew up in a house where my father answered my why question with, because I... Okay, and so I found myself saying, because I said so. Because... You don't need an answer for the why. Just do it. That was my father coming out of me. You know, you hate those moments, but that's what happened. And God challenged me, and he said, I answer your why questions. I'm like, okay. He said, please answer the why question for this young boy. And you know now... In our church, these boys, those boys, they all work with us. My oldest three boys are on staff, and they're amazing, amazing. Do you know my oldest son, his great contribution to the church is answering people's why question and explaining the why behind what we do as a church and explaining culture. And I can't believe that God spoke to me when he was so young, and now he is still asking why, but he's doing it in such a leadership way that it is phenomenal. You know, God, I've been in church for 51 years. I've been in the ministry for 32 years, and it makes me sound really, really old, but I... God just recently downloaded to me a message that is the why behind his church. And I remember saying to God, God, I wished you'd given me this years ago because, you know, many times when I'm communicating, I'm getting different responses from different people. And I'm like, why, God, why? This message explains why. And if you're here for the first time this morning, worshiping with us at Church in the Sun, this is a great message for you. you. If you're not used to church and you don't know what church is about and someone's invited you today or you've just come because you're curious, this is a great message for you, a great message to hear on your first day in church. You're going to understand the why behind the church. And if you've been sitting in church for a long time and you're just not sure, you're like, there must be more, but I'm not quite sure what the journey is and where, where's my way forward? How do, I, how do I take my next steps? Then this is a great message for you too. 
And I believe that God's church is his vehicle on the earth for the expansion of his kingdom. I believe that God's church is his bride. I believe God's church is close to his heart. It is the way he has chosen to take us out of the world and transform our lives. But you know, so many people say to me, oh, I'm a Christian. It was one of the things that kind of shocked me when I came into American culture. In Australia, when you say you're a Christian, you better be a Christian because you're persecuted if you're a Christian. It is a post-Christian society. Australia is secular. Only 4% of the population in Australia call themselves Christians or go to church. If you are a Christian, you'll get the lowest job in the office. If you're a Christian, you will get pushback. You will not get considered for promotion. If you say you're a Christian, you are actively attacked sometimes. I mean, not physically, but it is not cool in Australia to be a Christian. And so when I came to America, everyone was a Christian. I was like, wow. This is a, what, God, why did you send us here? This whole place is full of Christians. And then I realized being a Christian to many people means I was born in the church. My parents came to church. Being a Christian for many people meant, well, I'm not an atheist. I believe in God. I'm a Christian. Being a Christian for some people meant that I was, um, I'm actually not a Hindu or I'm not a Buddhist. Or I'm not another faith. I'm a Christian. And yet God in his word says that there's only one way to get into God's family and that is through the cross. And that is through Jesus Christ. And so a Christian is somebody who's come to the cross and had their sins washed, had themselves, like, surrendered their lives to Jesus and allowed him to control and take over their life. And they say, okay, now I'm going to follow you into the future that I have. You see, there's only one way into the church. And in every church, the cross should be the front door. In every church, the only way, the Bible says, to get to heaven, the only way to the Father, to have relationship with Father God is through the Son. And so the hospital, the, the cross represents the hospital part of the church. Every church should have a hospital in it. Every church should be a hospital. You see, we are, before we come to Christ, before we become a Christian, before we become part of God's family, we are out here in the world in, that is, that is a, a dysfunctional family that has a different father, that has a, a distortion and a, a magnetic pull towards sin, a magnetic pull towards the wrong thing, a magnetic pull towards confusion and chaos because God God has created an alternative 
called his church, his family, and we're out here in the world and we're all wounded, we're all hurt, we're all damaged by sin. Every single one of us, myself included, every single one of us needs to come into God's family through the cross. We need to come through the doors of the hospital and say, God, I'm wounded, I'm bleeding, I'm hurting. I need my sin washed. You know, I'm a nurse and... When I used to work in ER, when people would come through the door with wounds and they had, you know, a motorbike accident or something like that, and we would look at the wound, and the first thing we would do is wash the wound and clean it, and then we would cover it. And the first thing God does to us when we come into the hospital and we push the doors open, He says, Come, come to the foot of the cross, and I want to wash you clean. That's why I shed my blood. I want to wash you clean from all the dirt the world has stuck to you, from the wounds it has given you, from the pain and the dysfunction. I want to wash you clean, and then I want to cover you. You see, in the hospital, it is all about me. When I come into the hospital, I don't have to go looking for the doctor. When I come out of the world, when I come in in damaged and hurting, I don't need to go looking and wandering around the corridors saying, where is the doctor? I need help. No, the doctor comes to me. I don't have to cook my own meals in hospital. I don't have to find food and find the kitchen. The meals come to me. I don't have to worry about cleaning my room or making my bed. Someone comes in and makes my bed every day and cleans my room and tidies up. Even my family come to visit me in the hospital because it's about me, because people want me to get well. And in the hospital, when people come in to the doors of the church and in need of the cross, as we all do, in need of the hospital, God says, I want to make it all about you. You don't have to worry about How do I, why are people standing up? Some people are raising their hands. He says, forget about all that. This is about you finding your healing. That will come later, right now. It's just important that I wash you clean, that I cover you with love. You see, the Bible's full of hospital language. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. In Isaiah 53 verse 5, it says, But he, talking about Jesus Christ, God's Son, was wounded for the wrong we did. He was crushed for the evil we did. The punishment which made us well was given to him, and we are healed because of his wounds. That's hospital language. God says we come into the church through the hospital. We are healed. We are washed. We are cleaned. And it's all about me in the hospital. We are covered in the hospital. Have you ever notice when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ and they come out of the world, their prayers get answered really quickly. We have a girl in our church and she was like, she was a new Christian. She's like, I, I, I need to have a car. I, I need a car to get to work and I need a car to, and I, I don't have a car and we can't afford a car. And we're like, well, you just need to pray. Come on, let's pray with you. We prayed with her. She came back the next week. She goes, it works. She said, I got a BMW. 
all like, can you pray for me? Can you pray? Like, can we pray for each other? Are you serious? You got a BMW, a secondhand BMW, but it, it was in great condition. This girl's driving a BMW. Why? Because she's still in the hospital. It's all about me in the hospital. She is like, God's like, I just want you to know that I love you unconditionally. I want you to know that I'm going to respond to you. When you ask me something, I am there. When you press your buzzer, the doctor comes. When you need something, you get it in the hospital. But you know what? Jesus did not stay on the cross. He He died and he was taken down, buried, and the Bible says he rose again. You know, you and I are not meant to stay in the hospital. When we come into the church, God's arms are open wide, as always, and he wants to heal us. He wants to cover us, but we're not meant to stay as a a, a patient in the hospital. I'm a nurse. When the patients stay in the hospital too long, their risk of infection goes up. People die when they stay in hospitals too long. And you know what happens when we stay in the hospital too long and we get comfortable in a bed? I said I used to work in ER when when lots of patients would come through the door on a Friday and a Saturday night. We would call up to the wards and say, get rid of some of the people. Because you know what happens when a hospital's bed is full? They have to turn people away. When a hospital's bed's full, the ambulances go to another hospital. God wants us to not stay in the hospital for longer than we need to. He wants us to understand that just as he did not stay on the cross, he died and he rose again. We die and rise again through water baptism. We baptized people today and it was awesome to see lives change. People that were trying to commit suicide got baptized today. People whose lives were hurting. People who had wounds. People who were bleeding. People who were messed up and hurting by life have come to the cross, come through the hospital and now been baptized into God's family. And that is awesome. Because this is not where we're meant to stay. We're meant to move into God's family. And in the family, it is no longer all about me. In the family, it's about us. You know, when a child is the only child and the parents have another child, that child is used to having all of mum and dad's attention. All of the toys are his or hers. And all of a sudden, they're asked to share. They're asked to not punch the baby or smother the baby. Because that's what they want to do, because now it's not all about them. It's about us. And God wants us to graduate from the hospital into his family. You see, in the family, in the hospital, we're covered and it's about me. In the family, we are coached, and it's about us. We are coached in new kingdom culture. You see, we've had culture from a different kingdom here, and it's been destructive, dysfunctional culture, but it's all we've known. 
And when we get into God's family, God doesn't teach us culture in the hospital necessarily. necessarily. He's just healing us and making us well, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to graduate into his family where we become part of a unit. And you know what happens to children in families that are functional? They are encouraged. They are protected. They are told about the potential that they're that their parents see in them, but they're also corrected. They're trained for future purpose. They are given chores as they get older. You see, the family is about learning uh, what's inside of you, learning who you are, learning who God created you to be. It is about sharing what you have with other people. In the family, we, we join small groups and we learn how to connect. We learn how to do family life in a different way. We learn how to get over a fence. You see, what happens in God's church sometimes, we've been in the hospital where it's just all about me and it's so wonderful. I press my buzzer and people come running. I like this. Hi. It's wonderful. Everybody does everything for me, and then all of a sudden I find myself in a family, and it kind of feels good. I'm like, wow, I've grown. Look how far I've come. This is amazing. And we join a small group, and there's somebody in the small group that keeps talking all the time, and they annoy the heck out of you, and they rub you up the wrong way. And there's that other brother who prays for a long time. And you think he's pompous. <laughs> and then there's that lady that always brings cucumber sandwiches and they're soggy. <laughs> and we are like, what? Somebody says to us, brother so-and-so says, you know what? That sounds like an attitude to me. And we run straight back to the hospital. Did you hear what he said? He said, does he know what I've been through? Does he know what, what I went, the hurt? The, the I'll show you my scars. <laughs> that was just a word came from Friday night, came to my mind just then. <laughs> but I'm at the cross, I can't say it. <laughs> Do you realize, God, what he said to me? Got attitude? He'd have attitude if he'd been through. And we run back to the hospital because it's more comfortable in the hospital. We're less challenged in the hospital. But God says, this is where we learn kingdom culture. This is where we learn to be functional serving members of a family. This is where we join dream teams. You know what? So many people, there's a hospital is part of the church. There is a family that is part of the church. And this here is the army. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I feel to say something here I didn't say in the first service. So many people think that because I've joined a dream team, I'm in the army. No, you're in the family. You're just doing what family members do. You're just serving the gifts God gave you at the cross. You're just becoming part of us. 
It's not all about you. It becomes about us. And you're mature enough to not make it all about you. It becomes about us. And so you can lay down your rights for the sake of us. Do you still like this Australian preacher? Okay. (laughs) Thank you for clapping. You're very nice. If you stay in the hospital, you become a professional patient. If you stay in the family, you become adult children. I can tell you about adult children. They live in my house. They take things. Rarely offer to give things. Like they still think they're married. Two of my adult sons are married. The third one is not married. He's dating. He lives in my house. 30, 28, and 27. And they take They take my washing powder, they take my electricity, they take my water, they take my food out of the refrigerator, they take stuff out of the pantry. I go to bake something, I'm like, oh no, I've got plenty of that. I go to the pantry, I do not have plenty of that. They they say, well, we didn't touch it. Like, I, I, I think I'm going crazy, but I know I'm not. I have adult children living in my house who just like take, take, take. Mommy, you got 20 bucks? What are you going through my purse? I just need, there's a pizza man at the door, and I need a tip. (laughs) Seriously, I have four forks left from three sets of cutlery. (laughs) No plastic containers, Tupperware containers. I bought three sets of them, and there's none left. I have to go out and buy some more. Nobody's touched them. It's not me. It's not me. Isaiah cleaned out his car just recently, found six forks, and he blamed other people. People have been eating in my car, not me. Adult children take, and they don't give, but proper, when we understand that God wants to train us, you see, the Bible is full of family conversations. The full of family talk, Hebrews 12, 5 to 9, one of my favorites. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Are you ready for the encouraging words? Yes, he said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. It's the D word. And don't give up when he corrects you. It's the C word. And the Lord disciplines those he loves. You see, we think God has turned, he was this loving doctor with a bedside manner that held your hand. And we go to the family, we think he's turned into a mean policeman with a baseball bat. No, he's turned into a father that loves you enough to correct you and change the culture you've come out of, to create purpose and destiny in your life for the potential that he has for you. Don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes. It's the P word. Each one he accepts as his child. 
as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Don't run back to the hospital. Oh, that's not in there. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, all of his children. If you are not enduring discipline, you're not in the family, you're still in the hospital. God disciplines all of his children. Why? Because he loves all of his children. Why? Because he's teaching all of his children. You see, in the family, we are coached. And God is a coach, and he is training and disciplining us for our future. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live? You know, it's what God did to the children of Israel. The children of Israel were in Egypt. They're here. They were slaves. They didn't know any different. They're groaning under the burden. We are slaves to sin under a different culture, a foreign culture, not one that we are meant to live in. And God rescues us. And Jesus, God rescued the children of Israel. And he slayed the Passover lamb. They had to kill a lamb that represented Jesus. It represented the hospital and the cross. And then he sent them into the wilderness. And we think of the wilderness as a bad place. No, it was where they learned culture. It is where they got the law from God. It is where he established the traditions that would make them a nation. The wilderness was not a bad place. It was a training place. It was a coaching place. And sometimes we think we're in the wilderness. No, God's training you as his children. And we need not to run back to Egypt for the leeks and the garlics. But we need to understand God has purpose. He loves me. He thinks I'm worth training. He sees something in me. This is about us. We're being woven together as a unique family that is just from all different races and cultures, from all different places and ages and generations, but he's, he's weaving us together to become something magnificent that represents his culture here on earth that is an option and an alternative for the people in the world. And when we don't do us well, when we don't do family well, when we're not connected, when we're not doing small groups well, when we're not serving one another well, when we're not on the parking lot team, when we don't welcome people who come through the front door, we are not representing God's family accurately. Oh, I need to breathe. But you know what? This isn't the end game for God. So many Christians think this is the end game for God. No, this is not the end game for God because Jesus did not stay on earth establishing a social club with his disciples. Nor did the children of Israel stay in the wilderness. God had a promised land for them. And Jesus had more for his disciples. So Jesus got to the point where he said, I need to go now. And his disciples are like, don't leave us. This is such a great family atmosphere. 
we're mates, don't go. And he said, no, it's good that I go. It's good for you that I go because I'm going to send another. And he sent the comforter. And Jesus said to them, the last words he said to them was not stay and have family parties. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, taking people, leading them by the hand through the doors of the hospital and then coming back out again. You see, the army is not serving on a dream team. That's family. The army is where, as part of the family, we are going out into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, into our streets, into the highways and the byways, and telling them about the love of Jesus. That is God's army because God's army is about kingdom culture. It's about establishing kingdom this is about learning about kingdom culture. This is about establishing and extending the kingdom. In the hospital, it's about me. In the family, it's about us. In the army, it's about them. And the them is the them that don't know that the love of Jesus, what the love of Jesus is about, and that there's a hospital here in Orlando called the Church in the Sun. And there are those doors are wide open and Jesus' arms are wide open and ready to heal them. We need to be part of the army. In the army, we are not covered. We are not coached. We are commanded. You see, you can't be commanded when you're in the hospital. Some people are not even ready to be commanded in the family. But when we understand that the baptism and the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, what does he say? What does Jesus say? He will give you power to be my witnesses. And so we have the power to live and to be in the army. And we understand that God wants to command us. He wants a group of people that say, see that girl? She's coming to work twice for two days in a row. And you know there's something wrong with her. Come on. Oh. An army in high heels. Come on. Get your sword. Go up to her and say, can I pray with you? I noticed you're just feeling down. What can I do? Because God wants people he can command. He wants your yes before you've even heard the question. My father was an army man. He was in the paratroopers in the Red Beret Regiment in England. And he said, you just say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I want to be a woman that shows up. And when I get out of bed every single day, my heat... My heat fit the floor. My feet hit the floor. I am like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I am showing up for mission. Last week, I met a filmmaker in a cafe while I was witnessing to the Greek Orthodox owner of the cafe. The filmmaker came in and said, can I join this conversation? And I said, why, yes, please be my guest. And we started talking. She texts me yesterday or this morning, I can't remember when it was. It doesn't matter. She texted me yesterday. She's keeping in contact with me. We're catching up for coffee. The, the cafe owner texted me a few days ago and said, I want to provide food for your foster care initiative. This is what God wants to do. It's not hard. We just have to be in a place where we're willing to be commanded. I was having coffee with one of my other pastor's wives, and she was like, and I said, well, this always happens to me. Why? Because I'm in the army. 
my new Christian, and I say my new Christian because I don't bring people to church and then expect the church to take care of the babies. I follow up all my own new Christians. And I had a women's event, and she's a fashion designer, and she got saved. And so I've been meeting with her once a week. We've been going through an amazing book, and she's been asking questions. She texts me on the front row. She said, I'm here in church, Pastor Jane. I made it. I organized a lift for her while I've been here. Why? Because I'm in the army, because I care about kingdom expansion, and because I want God's kingdom to, do you know? That God has left the size of his kingdom in our hands. That blows my mind. The children of Israel in the wilderness. And God says, there's a promised land. But what did they have to do to get into the promised land? They had to become an army. And fight for territory. That's what being in the army is about. It's got nothing to do with how much you're serving in the church or not. But God wants us to understand the church is a hospital. The church is a family where we learn new culture. And the church is an army where we extend the kingdom. And we never lose our need for the hospital. We never lose our need for the family. But we sure as anything... It's okay to say that in Australia. I have to be very careful. We sure as anything need to join the army. God wants us to. If there are people here today who say, Pastor Jane, I I have never come to the cross and personally asked Jesus Christ to be my saviour. Saviour means to save me from all of that, to wash me clean, to cover me. If you have never done that or you did it a long time ago and you are like, you know what? I am not in relationship with God right now. I think I'm in the church, but I realize I'm kind of in this place in no man's land out here with one foot. I visit church and I visit the world and I visit church and I visit the world, but God says, come to the cross It's the only way to become part of my family and get into the army. And so many people think, you know, they try this without that and this doesn't work. And heaven help them if they try this without that because they're going to get their arm chopped off. And people get, the enemy just laughs at them and routes them and they're like, It doesn't work for me. Because we haven't done it right. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jane, I need to come to the foot of the cross. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Some of you may have prayed it before, but you're away from God. Some of you praying it for the first time. I would love the honor of praying it with you. And I want us to just close our eyes and bow our heads right across this place. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, it's important what we confess with our mouths. And God wants to hear. He knows what's in your heart, but he wants to hear you say, I accept Jesus Christ. I accept the sacrifice he made. So we're going to pray right now. Are you ready? 
dear Jesus, everyone out loud pray. It really, really helps those people praying for the first time. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me so that my wounds can be healed, so that I can be washed and covered and enter your family. I say yes today. I want to become part of your family. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, no one looking around, I wonder if you prayed that prayer for the first time or to reconnect with Jesus, would you just, on the count of three, just lift your hand so that I know who you are. I can pray for you. I'm going to count now. One, two, three. Lift your hand right across this place. Thank you. I see your hand. That is awesome. With no one looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Are there any other hands? Thank you, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand too. Is there anyone else across here? Just wave your hand if I haven't seen it. Thank you. I see your hand at the back. Anybody in the balcony? It's so hard for me to see everybody. But you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I would love it. We're going to stand in a minute. And I would love to meet you personally. If you raised your hand, I would love it if you would come down here to my, to my right, your left, if you would gather here. And as we stand, there are some of you that need to say, God, I am making a commitment. As those people come and say, I'm making a commitment to the cross. You need to say, I'm making a commitment to the family to relearn culture. Some of you need to say, I'm, I'm making a commitment to move to the army. I'm making a commitment to, to join a small group. I'm making a commitment to press in. I'm making a commitment to get connected. Come on, let's stand while, as people are coming. That is awesome. People have already come. I love that. Thank you for your courage. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is so awesome. Come on, church, let's clap. And we're going to sing. And if you, need to, if you need to join the army, some of you need to say, you know, we say, I'm too busy. I, I'm, I'm a mom with kids. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy to, to share. Because what if I get a new Christian? And what if I've, what if I've got to spend time with my new Christian? I'm like, there is nothing that makes me too busy for that. And I think we need to do business. I'm so proud of these people that have come. But if you need to come and do business with God, to become part of the army, to, to, to understand family more, to say, I need to get out of the hospital and I need to join the family and I need to accept the us. I want you to come too because God wants to do some ministry and I'm just going to talk to these people for just a moment.
I am so proud of every one of you. We all are proud because you pushed open the doors of the hospital today and there is healing for you. Some of you, God showed me how, how hurting and damaged and broken the world has, has caused you to be. And I just am so excited because there's such healing available for you at the foot of the cross. And right now, it's all about you. And it's good. It's okay. It's all about you. And so we have amazing gentlemen here and people just wanting to pray with you and share with you next steps and give you something. And I would love it if you would just go with him. It's not weird. We're not going to indoctrinate you or do anything like that. You're not going to have to sign anything. I promise you it's just a place where you can talk without the music going on and without the rest of the service interrupting what God is doing in your life. So if you would mind going that way with this gentleman, that would be awesome. And Pastor Alex.